0: This is The Daily Signal podcast for Friday, February 4th. I'm Virginia Allen.
1: And I'm Doug Blair. Anti-Semitism is a rising problem around the world. It's sadly also a problem that some members of Congress are willing to engage in or will ignore in their own ranks. Congressman David Kustoff is one of two Jewish Republicans in Congress. He joins the show to discuss what Congress's role in fighting anti-Semitism is.
0: But before we get to Doug's conversation with Congressman Kustoff, let's hit our top news stories of the day. The global leader of ISIS is dead, according to President Joe Biden. Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Khwasi was killed in Syria Wednesday night. His death is the result of a U.S. Special Forces raid on the residence where the ISIS leader was staying. Al-Qawesi blew himself up, along with members of his family, as U.S. troops approached. President Biden announced the ISIS leader's death from the White House Thursday morning, per Fox 5.
2: Thanks to the bravery of our troops, this horrible terrorist leader is no more. Our forces carried out the operation with their signature preparation and precision—
0: Al-Khawesi took over as the leader of ISIS in 2018. Biden noted that the ISIS leader has carried out numerous acts of violence.
2: He was responsible for the recent brutal attack on a prison in northeast Syria holding ISIS fighters, which was swiftly addressed by our brave partners in the Syrian Democratic Forces. He was the driving force behind the genocide of the Yazidi people in northwestern Iraq in 2014. We all remember the gut-wrenching stories, mass slaughters that wiped out entire villages, thousands of women and young girls sold into slavery, rape used as a weapon of war.
0: U.S. forces also killed an ISIS lieutenant during the raid. Administration officials said the raid took numerous months to plan, but thankfully there were no U.S. casualties.
1: Virginia's new attorney general is getting involved in a lawsuit over mandatory masks in Commonwealth schools. On Wednesday, Attorney General Jason Miares filed a motion along with Governor Glenn Youngkin and State Superintendent of Public Instruction Jillian Balow. The team is looking to join a group of Loudoun County parents suing the school board after it refused to allow parents to opt their kids out of school mask mandates. The school district says it could suspend unmasked students as punishment. In a press release announcing the motion, Miyares said... When the pandemic started, Governor Northam used his emergency powers to close down places of worship, private businesses, and schools, and impose a universal mask mandate. Nearly two years later, Governor Youngkin is using those same emergency powers to adapt to our current phase in the same pandemic by giving parents the ability to opt out of a school mask mandate. Youngkin promised to give parents more choice about masking their kids if he was elected and signed the executive order removing mask mandates within hours of being sworn into office. The order took effect a week later. While many school districts across the Commonwealth dropped their mask mandates when the order went into effect, many in northern Virginia did not, including Loudoun County. Those districts also filed lawsuits against the governor to try and invalidate the order.
0: If you are lucky enough to be going to Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles, you have to do so wearing a mask. L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti and other officials emphasized the importance of mask wearing at the game during a press conference Wednesday. The senior vice president for campus and facility operations for SoFi Stadium in L.A., Russ Simmons, said there will be plenty of staff at the game to remind people to mask up. The emphasis on masking at the Super Bowl comes after several top California political leaders, including Mayor Eric Garcetti and Governor Gavin Newsom, were photographed maskless at the Rams 49ers game last Sunday. The photos were posted on Twitter by former Lakers player Magic Johnson. Garcetti defended the pictures to the press Wednesday, saying he held his breath to take the pictures per ABC7.
1: I wore my mask the entire game. And I, when people ask for a photograph, I hold my breath and I put it here and people could see that. There's a zero percent chance of infection from that.
0: Governor Newsom has also told the press that he only removed the mask to take the photos.
1: Now stay tuned for my conversation with Representative David Kustoff as we discuss how Congress can fight anti-Semitism.
0: Are you looking for an easy and entertaining way to keep up with the news you care about? The Daily Signal and Heritage Foundation YouTube channels offer interviews with policy experts on the most critical issues and debates America is facing today as well as short explainer videos that break down complex issues and documentaries that dive deep into the ways policy actually impacts people. Go ahead and subscribe to both the Daily Signal and Heritage Foundation YouTube channels today. You can search for either on your YouTube app or visit youtube.com slash Heritage Foundation and youtube.com dailysignal Daily Signal.
1: My guest today is Congressman David Kustoff, who represents Tennessee's eighth congressional district. Congressman, welcome to the show. Well, you're very kind to have me. I appreciate being here. Well, we always appreciate having members of Congress here at the Daily Signal. I'd like to talk with you today specifically about a very important topic that I feel like really doesn't get a lot of press these days, which is this kind of rise in anti-Semitism in America. So, to start off, is anti-Semitism on the rise in America?
3: Yeah, it it, it definitely is, and. You know, I, I've got a unique perspective because I'm I'm a Jewish member of Congress, one of two Republican Jewish members in the House of Representatives. And um, we see it. You don't have to be Jewish to see it. Um, you know, you, you think about the, the very start of this, this year, the situation in Colleyville, Texas, which was clearly anti-Semitic, was clearly a hate crime. Mm. And I think it's symbolic, if you will, of what we've seen the last— the last several years. Unfortunately, I think some of it is driven right here in, in Washington mm. because when you have when you have leaders on the on the primarily on the other side of the aisle that talk about this, uh, whether it's an aside or, or what have you, people pay attention <laughs> not mm. only people here but people around the world. So the, the statistics, Demonstrate, and they and and they definitely show that anti-Semitism is is on the rise. It's on the rise here. It's on the rise around the world, and we've got to be serious about about ways to combat it.
1: Absolutely. Well, you mentioned that there are members of the other side of the aisle. Specifically, I think we can refer to them as the Squad. Uh, Democrats Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Homar specifically. Have been accused on various occasions of making anti-Semitic comments. So, I guess I want to start off with: How do you
3: feel when your colleagues make statements like that? It's very difficult. Uh, I, you know, first of all, we're here. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't be attacking anybody based on their race, religion, ethnicity, what have you. Especially as leaders. Hmm. And if I can pull back from them, because because one thing that. I've learned to appreciate, and I'm, I'm five years as, as a United States representative in my, in my third term. My words matter. Mm. Uh, what, a, what a congressman or senator says or does or demonstrates matters, and it gets magnified. And so if you take it out of the realm of the United States, the, the rest of the world, you have a member of Congress that makes – Anti-Semitic remarks makes remarks about uh, the significance of Israel, uh, Israel's right to exist, and they make it in a negative way. Well, around the world, they're looking at this this beacon of democracy that we have in Washington, and uh, they see that if a if a member of Congress can say something like this, then it must be resonating. Now, it may be isolated and. And I'm not throwing a blanket over uh, any political party because there, there are certainly uh, those leaders in the Democratic Party who condone all of this. Mm-hmm. But um, the fact of the matter is, is that when you have members who say some of the things that, that uh, some of their members say, people pay attention and, 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 it, and it gains some resonance around the world.
1: I think that's such a fascinating thing that you just said where what you say as a representative matters not just here but around the world. What type of message do you think it sends both to Americans at home and to people who are looking to America, possibly in Israel, possibly in Europe, who are thinking, well, what is this woman saying? Why are they saying these things that are so anti-Semitic? Well, for the vast
3: majority of people, I think it angers them uh, and, and – uh, and, and aggravates them at the, at the same time, that, that people can make anti-Semitic remarks, cast it aside as however they want to uh, – however they want to label it and essentially get away with it. Uh, for, the, for the overwhelming majority of Americans, this is not what they want to see out of, out of Washington, D.C. For the rest of the world who uh, – some of whom may or may not understand our, our system of government – uh but you know you, when when and I'm talking about Israel, when you when you talk about a, a a nation that that hasn't been in existence very long in the grand scheme of things 1948 and there are legitimately people around the world who question Israel's right to exist, mm-hmm. then that type of talk from members of Congress plays into the the the, the very notion of, whether Israel has a has a right to exist and and to protect herself and and her citizenry, and so that to me is what um, is what's concerning. We don't, you know, free speech is free speech, mm-hmm. and and people have a right to say what they want to say, especially the four hundred thirty five elected members of the House of Representatives and the one hundred members of the Senate. Mm-hmm. But words matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about that. Every time I'm giving a speech, making remarks, issuing a a statement, that words definitely matter. And uh, as leaders, and I think everybody here who's an elected member, there's certainly a leader. You've got a responsibility to lead appropriately and correctly. Absolutely. One specific
1: incident that I want to get your view on is in February and in March of 2019, when Congresswoman Omar made statements that were widely condemned by anti-Semitic, the response in the House was to draft up a resolution. And that resolution became more and more watered down until it was a sort of generalized statement against hate as a concept. I guess it seems so odd to me that they couldn't just come out and say anti-Semitism is a problem. Why do you think that was? Yeah, well, if
3: if I can, I'm gonna give you a little a bit of background because this is uh, this is truly a decision that in um, a vote that I really had to had to think about. So you're exactly right. Uh, at, at that point in time in 2019, the Democrats controlled the House of Representatives, so so they they get to decide what comes to the floor and get gets voted on by by me and the other congressmen. And what doesn't and so when those remarks were made by a member of Congress we were hearing talk that there was going to be some type of statement some type of resolution coming from the entire House of Representatives that was going to condone anti-semitism mm-hmm. and the vote was going to come up I believe it was on a, on a Thursday and I remember talking to members of my staff because we had not seen – we had not seen the actual uh, resolution that we were going to be voting on. And literally about 30 minutes before the vote, we got the text. And I, I predicted that it would be watered down to uh, condone a bunch of things, not solely anti-Semitism, which was the mm-hmm. reason that so many Republicans and Democrats were, were mad about these anti-Semitic remarks uh, but it would it would include everything so i'm i'm literally walking to the floor and i'm thinking well surely i mean we everybody everybody abhors uh statements made about racism mm-hmm. racist remarks um, certainly anti-semitic remarks but this was supposed this vote this resolution was supposed to be only about anti-semitism and uh and i made the decision i, I voted i voted or the resolution, which which talked about that all all these types of statements against anybody for race, religion, what have you, were uh, completely unwarranted. But it was absolutely watered down by Nancy Pelosi and and the Democratic leadership, so that they could make sure to get the votes of those on the far far left that, unfortunately, I think say things that uh, about about Jewish people and about the state of Israel that shouldn't be said by a member of Congress.
1: Absolutely. I want to move on to an incident that you alluded to briefly at the beginning of this interview, which was that shooting at the synagogue in Texas, which was just horribly tragic. And our hearts go out to those people who lost lives and lost loved ones in that incident. But I guess this is something that happens in America. And I guess what is the American response
3: to it? What does Congress do to make sure these things don't happen? Well, a number of things. One is the type of talk that we've been talking about throughout this interview. That cannot happen, mm. <laughs> neither on the floor of the House of Representatives or from a member of Congress. Because again, if if a member of Congress makes those types of statements, that feeds into that mentality, mm. and, it, and in a way, this may not be the right term, but it becomes acceptable. Mm. And uh, and we've got to push back on that. And so, in my opinion, and go back to 2019 for a moment. Uh, maybe that member should have been disciplined. I mm-hmm. mean, we've been talking about a resolution. Maybe they should have been disciplined.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, maybe the response is, I'm I'm going to play the what if game. Let's say that that my party, the Republican Party, takes back the House of Representatives. In November of 2022, mm. there's been a precedent sent by the, the Democrats this term to remove Republican members from certain committees. Mm. Well, you've got one member that you've you've talked about who's on the Foreign Affairs Committee, right? Maybe she doesn't deserve or or is or, or shouldn't be placed on that committee. So if Republicans take back the House of Representatives, uh Maybe if if you made anti-Semitic remarks in the in the past, you shouldn't serve on a committee dealing with foreign affairs, mm-hmm. and that sends a signal. The other thing I think we have to do, for exactly the reasons that you cited, is we've got to give law enforcement, federal, state, and local, the tools and the resources that they need to combat anti-Semitism,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and and these crimes. They need to be prosecuted very vigorously, my opinion, by federal officials.
1: Do you think that's happening
3: at the moment? Um, I think there's a lot more that can be done, and I, I again talking about Bill, I think it was apparent to anybody that was following the news that day that uh, it was based on the anti-Semitism, and it was a hate crime. Mm-hmm. The president, when he made his initial remarks, wouldn't go there. Mm-hmm wouldn't condone it as a as a hate crime and anti-semitic and later on he did the president has the the power of the bully pulpit Mm. and whoever the president is they've got an obligation especially as it relates to what happened in collierville to call it out for what it is and he didn't do it immediately and uh and i think that's unfortunate Mm-hmm. Now I want to
1: follow up on something you said a little bit earlier. You said that there has been a precedent set by the opposition party, uh, the Democrats, to uh, remove members from committees if they feel like they've right. done something wrong. Are you saying you would be maybe if in favor uh, if the Republicans were to retake the House of using that strategy on on Ilhan Omar or other members of Congress who have made yeah. anti-Semitic statements? Well,
3: look, I mean the Democrats have set the precedent to to do that. Uh, rightly or, or uh, I, I think wrongly, I, it's always been in the purview of uh, whatever party you're in for for the leadership, if you will, to to assign committee assignments. Mm. And the the Democrats, for the first time in our history, have removed Republican members from committees. Um, you didn't ask me this if I if I were in the Democratic leadership. Number one, I never would have put some of the people, on, the, the person on, the the member on the committee in the first place. And secondly, after she made the comments, I would have, I would have stripped her of the, mm-hmm. of the committee assignment. And neither of those things happened. So I think now that the, the Democrats have laid down the gauntlet, uh, they've given Republicans, if in fact we uh, take back the majority in the House this year, which I think we will, mm-hmm. to uh, look at the Democrats' committee assignments. Absolutely, one of the things that
1: I'm curious too, as your role as a representative, is that legislation is such a crucial part of what you do. So, let's say you are given the opportunity to to draft legislation to say anti-Semitism is a focus. Here's how we can legislatively combat it. What do you write
3: down? Yeah, well, in fact, I, I did do that in my, in my very first term. Um, we we worked on a bill that that was passed uh, almost. Not quite unanimously in the House and the Senate, but almost, that uh, that made it a felony to attack a religious place of uh, of worship, mm. whether it's a church, synagogue, mosque. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the the the, the structure. Uh, it was not a felony before. Interesting. You call uh, you call whomever and you say I'm I'm going to blow up this church or this synagogue. Before this law was passed that, uh, that I sponsored in 2017, uh, it was not a felony. Mm. Today, that's a, that's a felony. I, I'm a former United States attorney, was the chief prosecutor for my area in West Tennessee. I used all the tools in my toolbox to go after the, the bad guys. The, the bill that I just talked to you about that became law that President Trump signed – is a tool that prosecutors can use to go after these uh, these bad guys. To in mm. fact to make it to make it a felony. So I I think right now there are uh, there there are good laws on the books that law enforcement can use and our and our federal prosecutors to go after these people, and they they need to be directed by the Department of Justice to mm. do that. So right now, as we sit here today with. With the Biden administration and the House and the Senate in Democrat hands, the the Attorney General needs to be empowered mm. to use all these tools to to do it. If there's uh, if there's divided government in 2023, a Democrat in the White House, Republicans controlling either the House and or the the Senate, to make sure that the administration does use those tools, and if the Attorney General or the, the U.S. Attorney come to me and say, "Congressman, why don't we look at at doing this to combat anti-Semitism?" Mm. Then, then I'm certainly gonna I'm I'm gonna work on legislation to try to accomplish that. Sure. Now, was there
1: bipartisan support when you passed that bill in your first term?
3: Yeah, and and I'm very proud about that because there there was bipartisan support. Uh, you know, just like anything else, as you can imagine, when you work on legislation, mm. it's not always clean and 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 you go back and forth on on language and my point is it's not easy Maybe right, It shouldn't right. be easy but but it's not. there was bipartisan support, uh, not unanimous support but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, but bipartisan support to to get it done and I'm and and we had good bipartisan co-sponsors. I I, I do want to make that absolutely clear right. because there were uh, there were there were Democratic co-sponsors and Republican co-sponsors. Of that bill,
1: Do you feel as if, say, in 2022, you were to reintroduce something similar to
3: that, it would receive the same amount of bipartisan support? You know, I do. Uh, again, we don't want to throw a, a blanket over everybody in the in the other party and say that they feel the way that some of these members do that you you referenced earlier, because there are plenty mm-hmm. that do not. And uh, my opinion is they're stifled. Some of those Democratic members, by their own leadership, um, though th- those few have an outsized voice, and unfortunately, their voice is louder than 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 likely the majority in their party. Absolutely. One of the things
1: we've also discussed a little bit is Israel and how the state of Israel is a frequent target of anti-Semitic attacks. So, my question I always ask about this is: Is it acceptable to criticize the State of Israel and not make it anti-Semitic. Is that a possibility, or is all criticism of Israel anti-Semitic?
3: Well, at least the criticism I've, I've seen, it, uh, it, it lends itself to anti-Semitism. Mm. I, at least what we've heard what we've heard recently. And you know, I've had the, I've had the opportunity, if you will, to, to go to Israel on a, on a bipartisan trip like a lot of other members of, of Congress. And this goes a little bit beyond what you just asked me. And I think people listening can understand this. It's one thing to, um, to to read the news, to see the news, to do your own research about what's happening in a certain part of the world. It's another thing to go there and visit mm. and talk to officials and uh, kick the tires, if, if you will. And I think that the, the people who – uh, in this country who have not had the opportunity to, to to visit Israel might not be able to appreciate from a from a size perspective um how how small, if you will, and surrounded Israel is by its neighbors mm. and and how close some of the bad actors are to the the, the borders of of Israel. And so you've got you know the, the converse of it is is that if god forbid if if, if Israel ceased to exist failed to exist mm-hmm. you, you've lost democracy in the in the middle east um, and then and then it becomes uh it becomes a a conflict a huge conflict that ultimately um this country gets further engaged in so we've got a duty to protect Israel we've got an obligation to protect Israel, and the uh, at least in the last several years that I've seen, I don't think anybody paying attention to the news. The criticism, if there is criticism of Israel, it is either anti-Semitic or directly leads to anti-Semitism.
1: What are your views on the BDS movement, the boycott, divest, sanction movement?
3: Yeah, uh, and that's you know, that's something that's been debated on the on the floor of the House of Representatives also, and and that. Um, the democratic leadership has had to has had to push back on and i think it's unfortunate that we're we even have to talk about it mm. in this nation but but it exists it's uh, it's a minority but the the longer the minority gets to talk about it my concern is that uh that you have other people who begin to to latch on to it and and certainly that's that's dangerous to, to Israel as well.
1: Sure. So Congress's role with our relationship with Israel, where do you see our congressional government's relationship with Israel going?
3: You know, um, if you go backwards to the Trump administration, my opinion, President Trump is the strongest president that uh, the that, uh, United States president that, that Israel has, has known. Uh, and certainly President Trump was very committed I go back to about two months before the, the 2020 election. I was, I was on the White House lawn for the signing of the Abraham Accords. Mm. And there were two thoughts that, that I was thinking about as, as these documents were being signed, Israel, UAE, Bahrain. Number one is it was truly historic. Two, I'm not sure that any other president— other than Donald Trump, could have gotten it accomplished by who he was, the force of his personality, all those things. Sure. And and I really applaud President Trump uh, and, and Jared Kushner and everybody that that worked to to get that done. By the same token, again, if if you're in another part of the world. And you saw that, and you saw the United States commitment to Israel then, mm-hmm. and you compare it to now. I think you probably question the the United States commitment on on some level. There are certainly strong congressional leaders uh, who uh, who will who advocate uh, the strong support of, of Israel, but you don't see that level coming from the. From the administration for whatever reason and that concerns me
4: Mm.
3: let's
1: follow up on that topic what is America's role in fighting anti-semitism
3: around the world we should lead in fighting anti-semitism we're the world's greatest democracy people around the world look to us to see as they experiment with democracy in their nations what works Mm. and we've got to continue to to lead so and when you talk about leading, you're talking about from the from the administration, whoever's president, and at the at the congressional level, and at the administrative level, they do not seem to be as fully committed um, as uh, as the Trump administration. Mm. At least that's the that's the perception that that other people around the world have. But we've got to be the absolute leader in in, in fighting anti-Semitism.
1: And what does that look like?
3: Well, it looks like words and actions. Mm. It looks like making sure that uh, that we continue to work with Israel on peace accords, like the Abraham Accords. It looks like that we fund Iron Dome to the extent that um, that Israel needs funding. You know, it was just not a, a year ago that Israel had hundreds and thousands of of rockets. Fired upon it uh, by by enemies, mm. and the Iron Dome protected Israel. Mm. Uh, so we've got to make sure that we we support it. We had this debate about funding the Iron Dome just several months ago,
4: mm.
3: and the overwhelming majority of Republicans supported it. The I think the majority of Democrats supported it, but you had you had a loud minority. Mm. That opposed it. So, when it, when you see that debate, and you're in another country about whether the United States wants to help Israel uh, fund and um, and be able to employ Iron Dome, what do you think?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> now that's rhetorical, but but what do you think? And yeah. I think the I think the answer is explanatory.
1: Right. Well, I want to follow up on that because those all sound like supporting Israel. Is there other things that America should be doing to fight anti-Semitism more generally across the globe? Like, I lived in France for quite a long time, and there was a lot of anti-Semitism against Jews in Paris. Does America have a responsibility to address those types of issues, not just in Israel, but around the globe?
3: Well, we, we've we got to look. We've got to be able to uh, to defend. We've got to be able to talk loudly and condone those types of actions if if certainly if they're in the United States and in other parts of the world, wherever you fall on the issue, if you're listening, can you imagine a world without without Israel as we know it today mm. and what that does to peace and security in the Middle East and what that does to peace and security in the United States? Um, you know, we are um, been hearing a lot about, uh, as, as we just uh, – memorialized, if you will, the 75th, the 75th anniversary of the, of the ending of of World War II um, and the Holocaust. And, and um, we cannot forget what happened. We cannot forget what happened then. We also need to remember that anti-Semitism has, has existed for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it may never completely go away, but unless our leadership—and I'm a leader—unless we uh, we work to protect those who are subjected to anti-Semitism, it will continue to exist, and uh, and it will perpetuate. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous to everybody.
1: Before we wrap up, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there was an incident in the nation's capital, very very recently at Union Station, where. A twice deported legal immigrant spray painted swastikas all over the building. How does it make you feel when you see swastikas in the nation's capital so brazenly displayed on one of our our
3: buildings? A lot of emotions: uh, angry, disappointed, sad, bewildered, all wrapped up into one. And I think that's probably the way a lot of people, a lot of people think, and a lot of people feel. Um, the fact of the matter is, and that illustrates it, anti-Semitism continues to exist, It continues to perpetuate. And you know we've, we've got these battles, uh, whether it's on social media, involving free speech and what is the right balance? Where do you where do you land? Mm. But unless we aggressively, Talk about and against anti-Semitism. It's going to continue to, to grow in this nation and other places in the, in the world. Uh, I, I was elected in 2016 to Congress, same year Donald Trump was elected. And the one thing that we know about Donald Trump was he spoke very loudly. And, <laughs> and you never had to guess where he was on any given issue. He spoke very loudly about anti-Semitism and about – Uh, about Israel's right to exist and and our relationship with with Israel. And this president needs to speak with the same force, the same authenticity Mm. in order to combat it, at least in the year 2022. Absolutely. That was Congressman David Kustoff, who
1: represents Tennessee's 8th Congressional District. Congressman, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast.
0: You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe.
1: Thanks so much for listening, and we will be back with you all on Monday.